Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guys Tevin and Q in here. I'm your host, Kyle Coglatori, and we have the pleasure of having professional basketball player and former Minnesota Gopher and Memphis legend Andre Hollins with us today. How's it going, Dre? Hey, going good, going good. In spite of everything that's going on, I'm all right. You know, I want to I wanna know. I want to lead this off. What's going on with that horse game? You let Rachel beat you? Oh, uh, man, yeah, unfortunately, she uh, she edged me out on it with the one-legged. It was, a, it was a double rim, too, but, you know, she's an amazing shooter, so, you know, if I'm going to lose it, it's okay to lose to her. <laughs> well, it's cool to see a, a game of two of the best gophers going head-to-head in that. That's pretty crazy. I want to talk about that uh, Be the Match and your passion for that and where that all came from. Uh, actually, it started uh, back in 2012, my my sophomore year, um, we had a little like Hope Day festival. It's for nonprofits, basically just a day to uh, raise awareness for different causes and uh, be the match was there at DKMS. Um, I kind of signed up for the registry. It was just a simple uh, like cotton swab, cheek swab. It got my saliva, and then I was in the system. And then last summer in 2019, I actually got called upon to donate, to see if I donate. And I was like, sure. And um, ever since then, I just kind of, you know, wanted to raise awareness for it because it's possible. I, in, a, I, in a thousand years, I wouldn't have thought that I would have been a match to somebody. So, you know, just to be able to actually help someone's life out, uh, save someone's life potentially, is uh, it's a huge blessing. So I just want to kind of push that that message and that cause forward. And, and by doing that, they do the stem cell, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, it's, it, de- it depends on what time, what type, because some patients can have different uh, Ill- illnesses. Uh, mine was, uh, it's called precipital blood stem cells or white blood cells or something where they took, took, they took my blood out, uh, separated the white blood cells and then put the blood back in and they, they're going to use those white blood cells on the patient that I matched with. So it, it's different type of ways you can do it. And this helps with leukemia and sickle cell, a lot of blood diseases and stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, where can people go to find out about this? Just type in Be The Match online. Be the match, yeah, be the match.org. Uh, you know, you do, I mean, all on all of my social media accounts, I have it on there, uh, links to it. Uh, yeah, just go to Be The Match, and it's simple. You sign up, uh, you can donate. Um, and it's simple. You really, once you sign up, they'll send you a, a a kit, a, a DNA sample kit, so they can get your uh, DNA, and then you send it back in, and then that's it. And you're actually on the board too, right? Yeah, I'm on the board of uh, board of uh, advocates. <laughs> right <laughs> on, right on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing I want to get into too is you're from Memphis, Tennessee. You're very proud of that. Yeah. Can Can you tell us about your roots a little bit? Well, my roots. Uh, I mean, it just come from a. I mean, Memphis is amazing. Barbecue, uh, just the Southern hospitality and everything. Uh, you know, we're obviously, we're strong and we have basketball, strong basketball down down there. Um, from my high school, uh, one of the best high schools uh, coming, we went to the state championship uh, my freshman, sophomore, and junior year and lost in the semifinals to the eventual state champions my senior year. So I just come through a long line of uh, good basketball history and just good people. I saw you left out that you were Mr. Basketball in Tennessee, oh, yeah. too. What's up, man? 
yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's almost been ten years since I was awarded <laughs> that. But, well, you can forget sometimes, but yeah, I end up winning my uh, my my senior year. We won Mr. Basketball, and actually the year before, my teammate Joe Jackson. I don't know if you guys uh, heard of him, but he he won the the year before I did. So it was just kind of you know it shows how strong White Station High School is, like basketball wise. That's awesome. And I mean, I, I did a lot of digging. I saw your records, I, and you're averaging, you know, 23 and a half points, 30 and seven. Was that senior year, right? Yes, the senior year. Yeah, senior year was pretty crazy. Yeah. And then you were at the <laughs> Kentucky Derby Festival All Star Game, which you dropped 46 nationally on a nationally ranked team against Friendly Prep, right? Friendly Prep. Yeah, we actually had uh, that team was stacked. It had Anthony Bennett, who was he? He went number one. They had. Yep. Mike Cabanco oh, yeah. from Texas, um, Nick Nick Johnson he went to Arizona. He was playing professionally. Uh, God, they had who else? Winston Shepard. I mean, it was just that. I, I had a pretty good game that game. Pretty forty six points. I say that's pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a bad day's work at all. <laughs> and, and you know, you always have been a scorer too, because you finished your career with almost twenty. Well over 2,300 points, to average 19.2 points on your career, to do that from a freshman to senior, that's just absurd, man. Have you just yeah. always had a stroke or what? Uh, Yeah, just, I mean, my, my dad, a lot of the things goes to my dad. Just, I mean, I worked out a lot, really. Uh, before, like, two-a-days were a thing. I mean, the age that you really do two-a-days, I was pretty much doing it when I was young dad he had access to the gym he was assistant principal and I would be I would be up at like six I'll have like six seven a.m workouts when I was like eight <laughs> and, and I just be in the gym so uh he really groomed me for for that and you know just playing like I mentioned before with Joe Jackson I mean it, it's a guy I was a freshman he, he was a year ahead of me and he scored 40 back to back as a sophomore, so I so if you think I can score, just imagine him. So I learned a lot from him, and I mean, we just complimented each other well, and just being around, I mean, the talent, uh, especially in my class, to people around my age was is unmatched. Was he a one or was he a two, or were you playing a two then? Yeah, I was playing my first my uh, until my senior year. Up until my senior year, I was primarily the two. So yeah, he was the one. Okay. <laughs> the other thing that I thought was really cool, uh, you graduated with a 4.8 GPA. I don't even know how the hell you get a 4.8. Where I came from, it was a 4.0. 4 but you got a 4.8. You're doing all the extra credit, huh? No, nah, it was all the uh, AP courses. I, I, took, I was in the, uh, what was it called? Uh, man, that's how you know it's been so long, getting older. I can't even, uh, honors classes. Yeah, honors honors classes. Classes. Oh, yeah. So that's what it was. And you had a twenty-eight on your ACT. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, badass, dude. Nah, damn. Yeah, that's badass. It's just uh, Mr. You know, ACT. <laughs> it's just with my parents. Uh, they really instilled in me just as hard as I worked in basketball. I worked in the classroom, and they both go together. So if I want to play, I had to get the good grades. So you know, I just they they got. They hammered home how important academics was to me early age. So, shout out know. your parents. Yeah, shout out to my parents. That's super awesome. Um, 
you know, before we get into the recruiting, because I know Q's got some questions for you, but I wanted to, I mean, one of the most recognizable schools in the state of Minnesota is the Carlson School of Business. And, mm-hmm. and for you to go there and to graduate, you actually graduated early and stuff, man. It, it's really cool to see an athlete focus so hard on the academics. So I condemn you for that. That's awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, that's it. Um, going into it, actually, my cop, my fi- three of my final uh, choices for college were Minnesota, well, Stanford, Harvard, and Minnesota. So, Damn. you know, I mean, just why, and yeah, why, why Minnesota over Stanford and Harvard? Like, I mean, it's just talking about especially like <laughs> well, academic wise. I mean, that's that, just the opportunity to further my career. Uh, playing, I would be on a bigger stage. I mean, Stanford's okay. Pac-12, the conference is different, but you're playing in the Big Ten. You're playing Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. Um, big time game. Yeah, big time. And you're on TV, you, you're on TV every every game. So, I mean, that that definitely had a big part to do with it. Also, we're playing for Tubby, a uh, national championship coach. That's a great guy. Uh, also, Austin Hollins was here. Uh, everything made sense, and I really like. I just the vibe of Minneapolis. I, I like. I liked it all. You want to ask him some of the recruiting questions, Q? Yes, I was going to ask. Um, how was the recruiting process? You know, you you had a ton of accolades. You know, throughout high school. Just mm-hmm. what were some of the other schools that had an interest in you, and what were some of the considerations that you were making? You know, looking at these other schools, and maybe your top five going into that. Um, I want to say as far as my experience, I actually committed before my senior season. So before I did all of that, like, because I wanted to kind of, I didn't want to make a last second decision on like, oh, this guy's good. Let's hop on him uh, now after. I wanted someone that was kind of with me throughout before before Mm -hmm. all of that so I can focus on my senior, senior season. Uh, but I mean, a lot went into it as far as like where I can get a great education and also where I can thrive and, uh, showcase my talents at the best level to obviously continue to move on. Um, a lot went into it just, I mean, along with the coaching staff, how I like the, uh, just the, the atmosphere of the team, the atmosphere of the city, uh, everything went along with it, but. It, it was a difficult choice also because I actually, I actually wanted to go to Stanford, but they had a, uh, they ended up having a only one scholarship available. And I don't know if you guys know Chase and Randall. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, he ended up going there and then that that's where their main, their main recruit, it was between me and him and he was the one that they wanted. So they signed him and then they didn't get, I obviously didn't go there, but. Then I started switching. I was like Harvard, Minnesota, and then my uh, my high school coach kind of set me aside. He's like, "Hey, you're gonna be playing it with uh, Fort Tubby Smith in the Big Ten. You're on TV every game. You're playing against NBA caliber players uh, night in and night out. Just what more can you ask for?" So that 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 was uh, one of the the big factors that led me in like recruiting. I guess true that I was gonna ask was logistics did that have anything to do with that but since you said harvard and stanford are <laughs> yeah no i wanted to venture out uh you know i want to I definitely want to venture out but also I, I i don't think i think 
logistics, all of that, all of the things like that really didn't matter as much to me as as far as I get uh, quality education and opportunity to play and to thrive. Everything else kind of was second, came second. So. Before we dive, you're 27 years old, right? Yeah, 27. So, yeah. So, while we were growing up in, like, your junior year, sophomore year, like, Memphis, they were a strong program at the time, right? Because yeah. Calipari was the coach, right? They had, uh, yeah. you know, they had a squad. Wait, yeah. did, how close were you to going to Memphis? It seems like kind of they were on the up and up, and then you chose to go to Minnesota. Um, um, I actually was uh, – I was on the radio show, was it two days ago? I saw some, that. Some guys, yeah, I was there. And they asked me about, uh, like, the Memphis recruitment. And it, people always try to, like, add a story to it to make it more spicy. Yeah. Like, they didn't recruit him, so that's why he went and dropped 40, <laughs> 41 on him. No, that's not the case. <laughs> they they were recruiting me as hard as anybody. But the, the only thing was is that uh, also my teammate Joe went there and there were other, there were probably like five or six guards. So, I mean, the opportunity to play just wasn't there. I mean, yeah, right away. Uh, I might have got it sometime, but then there's, I mean, there's just too many guards. Honestly. It was Will Barton, Joe Jackson, uh, Antonio Barton, Chris Crawford, a couple more, other more guards, and just the opportunity wasn't there. So, you know, and, and Josh Pastner, I mean, no no offense to him. He's, I, I like Josh Pastner a lot, but he was just, uh, I think that might have been his first head coaching job because he, he got there, Joe's, uh, I think he started in 2009 or 2010, maybe. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where that was. It, that makes and sense. Kinda w- one more thing on the recruiting front. So Minnesota's kind of got the stigma of not being able to recruit in-state talent and just not a good program and lacking and getting big name players. What do you say to people that kind of come down on the program even today for the way they recruit and handle that recruiting process? I mean, you also, I mean, you have to look at where the, the guys are going. I mean, yeah. it, honestly, I mean, there's some powerhouses to where it's like, okay, they're, they're historic, they're coaches. You don't blame a guy from going to Duke. <laughs> like, I mean, it's right. just, you just don't blame a guy, but I mean, I don't think um, as uh, it, as far as the knock that Minnesota gets, I mean, I don't see it now, especially because of the new uh, practice facility. Because because before, I mean, you could see like if you if you take a visit to a place that has their own practice facility and they have all these other amenities that are amazing to them, and then we just had we were still practicing and just mainly Williams. We didn't have all those things. Now that's, that's where I can see, but like, Hey, it's like both of them are kind of, they're kind of here, but they don't have a practice facility. So hmm. So, (laughs) it just goes like that. I mean, when, if a player just values that, I mean, that's important, but it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of factors that goes into it that I don't think that, uh, the university or the program takes can take any blame for. And you were there too, and Tubby was actually getting in state talent. Yeah. I mean, he he had you were there kind of at the peak before everything kind of went down. And I want to get into that too, but let's let's first start off with just your freshman year. I mean, you came in to a really promising squad mm-hmm. with Trevor and Rodney and Samson and Austin and Andre. Actually, you know what? I'm lying. I want to rewind a little bit more. Tell us about the Austin 
connection with you, you two, because it is from Memphis, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that relationship first going into college before I get into everything else. Um, um, so he went to Germantown High School in Otwice Station. Uh, we were in the same conference. We played each other uh, twice a year. And I, I want to say it wasn't until I think maybe my sophomore, junior year that – I started looking at the box score. Somebody looked at the box score and they saw A. Holland. And they're like, hold up. <laughs> you don't, A. Holland's doesn't play for Germantown or like, you flip it up. A. Holland's doesn't play for White Station. So uh, I guess his mom actually sought out to, uh, after we played, we met with his mom and his uh, father, Lionel Hollins. They met my parents and that's where we kind of f first officially met. And then uh, after that, like, we, we were cool, whatever we played. And then I ended up taking my visit here, and uh, Austin was my host. So then that uh, relationship just kind of, yeah, the relationship just kind of grew. Everyone thought we were brothers. Uh, <laughs> it's, some, some people still do. Uh, but no, nah, that's, that's, that's my guy. That's, that's one of my closest friends now to this day. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, now now we can move forward about that starting five you had with Trevor, Rodney, uh, Ralph, Austin, yourself. I mean, yeah. that was a promising squad. Trevor was probably the, the best player at the time, but then he had that season-ending knee injury. Um, I mean, that that's crazy just to begin with, right off the bat, losing him, because he does yeah. so much. Yeah, no, nah, it was – I mean, he's one of those players that just – he grabs every rebound that you know. I mean, you want to throw it into, most likely he's going to get fouled or get a bucket. I mean, that's just fun playing against players like that and that play with his uh, intensity. And, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously it, it sucked because I, I wonder really what we could have done if he wouldn't have gotten hurt because we ended up making it to the NIT championship that, uh, that year and ended up losing to Stanford, actually. But uh, yeah, I wonder. It just makes you wonder: what if Trev didn't get get hurt? Wonder what how we would have fared that season. Oh yeah, I think you could have definitely used him on the road against some of them bigger teams. It's just losing that—that's a big loss. There's, yeah. there's no way to replace yeah. that. Yeah. But the crazy part for you individually was—I mean, you in that Big Ten tournament. You were on Big Ten. You were on the tournament team, mm -hmm. and you only played two games. Yeah. That's how much you killed it. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, I mean, honestly, when, when, uh, like, and this, this stemmed from high school, whenever it got to, you know, crunch time playing like that Mars Madness feel, mm -hmm. uh, I always get, like, it's, it's more fun. It's more fun to me. And I always get up, like, for that. And I relax a lot. And I think that's where I just kind of went into it. I'm like, you have none to, nothing to lose. Like, some people play tight in those situations. And I always try to, you know, I, I just get loose and have fun because, you know, up until this point, is this is this is what it's all about. This is what we've been playing for. So I think I just, you know, rose to the occasion uh, during that, you know. And playing against Trey Burke, that was, that was uh, awesome. And, you know, playing against Northwestern, uh, those were two good games. I remember, I remember that tournament vividly, actually. And, I mean, that's kind of when everybody noticed you were a go-to scorer. <laughs> and to be a freshman doing that. Yeah. That's yeah. bonkers, man. 
Yeah, it's just where I'm from, from Memphis. We don't we don't back down from any challenges or anything like that. I mean, it's just like my dad said, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. As long as you, you put the ball in the hole. <laughs> you put the ball in the hole, it don't matter how old right. you are. Well, then going into your sophomore year, you kept it going. That was arguably your best season, actually, as a gopher. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's so many questions I want to ask about that season because I think, in hindsight, you would have been a lottery pick if you had gone out mm-hmm. after that year. And then I think I, I really wonder what you would have done if you known or had you had known. I have no idea about Tubby and the Patino switch. And I mean, you guys had crazy expectations about that season as well. Um, just kind of run us through that. What, what's going through your mind? How you handle the situation? I mean, going from killing it. So then that idea of coming back, just, yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, when I go back to that time, I want to say that uh, I was more in the moment. Uh, I honestly had no intention on leaving, even though, I mean, I, I really wasn't guided in that way as, as in leaving and going to the NBA, even though that would, if I look back on it, I should have. <laughs> that would have been my... Cause I, I think I did, someone did send me something about me being lottery uh, during that time. But uh, I think I was just really much living in the moment. Uh, it was like that summer after, you know, going to the tournament, just living in like that, that atmosphere and everything, the buzz that was going around was awesome. So I, I was at NBA was in none of my, none of my uh, future if I have my future plans, uh, but it, it 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 was just kind of a surprise uh, that it happened, and you know, uh, then it's kind of like okay, now what? And once that happened, so that got got me off. All right, the March Madness high that we were on is kind of faded with. All right, Tubby's fire. Now what? Then it kind of you know it was just I was just in the moment. It was a lot going on. It was a lot to process for a twenty year old. Oh, I mean, or go ahead. No, that was a good. You got that. I mean, you start off that season with that 41 point game against your Memphis mm-hmm. in the Bahamas. That's just nasty to start it <laughs> off that way. I, I, and I know before you touched on a little bit, it wasn't about them not recruiting you. They were recruiting you. But I mean, you got to be amped up going into that game, playing against a team that you grew up watching. What's going through your mind? I actually, this is the thing about me. I actually, I wasn't like super like, oh, I got to go out here and kill. I got to have the best game ever. I was just relaxed, like literally like just loose. I, if when things are high pressure situation, I just try to relax and play loose. Uh, and it was, it was other factors going on. Uh, my grandmother had just passed as my only grandparent and you know, she kind of raised me in the summer times. Uh, I would always go over there. So it was kind of a mixed emotions type thing because her, uh, her funeral funeral was actually during our time in the Bahamas. And I actually wanted to go. I was like, can I can I fly to the funeral and come back? Because, I mean, that was just my yeah. mystery to this day. So uh, it was just a lot going on. But, you know, it wasn't. Like I wasn't extra pumped. I mean, it was exciting, you know, to play against yeah. against and with guys that I won state championship with. Grew up. It was like it's probably like six or seven of the guys I played with or against at some point, all the way coming up to then. So 
You know, I mean, it was just one of those games, honestly. Well, I mean, you missed five shots, and one of those was a free throw. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'm mad. I'm still mad about that free throw. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's go into the, you know, that that transition. When did you know that Tubby was getting let go? Did they tell you beforehand, before it broke to everybody else? You were just blindsided. Um, nah, it was it was just blindsided, like. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, I think they called us in and they told us. It was like, what? Everybody's like, why? Uh, we just won one in the tournament, won a game in the tournament, lost to a great team in Florida, coming off all this momentum, and then you just just get cut. It was it was unfortunate, but you know, it was a total surprise for us. And you just had twenty five points against Florida. Yeah, I, yeah, everything's going good. <laughs> and did did you guys lose out on certain recruits and stuff? Did people, I mean, did Tubby have something kind of lined up and then with the Patino switch? And I actually, I can't remember. Uh, I think maybe yeah, we did. Uh, cause I because I was hosting a lot of guys during this time. Um, Alvin Alvin Harris. He was a, he com I think he committed and then he ended up going to Michigan State. Okay. But yeah, I think we had one of those. This one I can remember for sure. Okay. Changed after the uh, the firing. Well, then I know. Would you have not? And, and it wasn't even a thought in your mind about going to the league at that time because you just had so much fun. You didn't want the ride to end kind of deal. Um, the transition to Patino though. Mm -hmm. How difficult was it? I mean, it's, the style of play changed. Um, I mean, you were worked. I don't want to say you weren't worked with Tubby, but I feel like at the same time, the, the way you were pressing and all the stuff they had you doing, plus on top of that practices, I mean, the next mm -hmm. two seasons, you kind of had injuries, which, which mm -hmm. slowed you down. That's probably why you weren't playing as – not that you weren't playing at a high level. You were still playing at a very high level, but not mm -hmm. doing what you did your sophomore year. Yeah. Um, it – it wasn't, it wasn't too, I mean, he just brought, it, it was more up-tempo, faster-paced play. Uh, so we just have to be in more shape for that because with Tubby, we were more uh, feeded in, in the post, half court, run our offense, play defense, big body. That's what we had. We had big body. It was six, we went, it was me, 6'2", Joe Coleman, 6'3", 6 6'4", 6 Austin, 6'5", uh, Trevor, 6'8". Then we had uh, six six six. six, oh. six. Come on now, come on now. <laughs> well, he plays like he's six. He plays like he's seven one. <laughs> yeah, and um, well, we had Elliot or no Ralph in there. Elliot was the center. Mo, we. I mean, it yeah. was just it's just a different how the team was building, how we function was different. So we just had to adapt to that. Uh, as far as like level of play, like you know, obviously I wanted to stay on the ball, and that that took that took away from a lot. Uh, but the biggest thing that actually happened was when I hurt my ankle against Wisconsin. Uh, that really hampered me, and then it kind of you know I had to switch to being a primarily two, which you know it kind of it's a completely different feeling having the ball in your hand and getting things going. Than, you know, starting with you gotta. You got to get yourself going in other ways. So, yeah. And at the same time, it, it's hard to, you know, recover from injuries with that style of play. So if you're constantly trying to fight through that and that's nagging, 
multiple yeah. years, bro. I, I don't even know how you – is it hard to just not walk away from it because you want to be out there so much as a competitor? Yeah, I actually – I came back – I came back too early from my ankle injury. Uh, I actually – it was a, a level three or grade three ankle sprain, so I – so I uh, tore all the ligaments on the outside of my ankle because – Literally, the bottom of my shoe was facing <laughs> facing the fan. I mean, the the fans, the uh, audience. So it, it completely tore all those ligaments, and I had like a bone bruise in there. And I came back in two weeks. You're crazy. You're crazy. Yeah, I, I literally lived in the uh, in the physical therapy, like the training room. Like I like I would only thing I would do was eat, wake up, eat go to physical therapy or go to class and just repeat and just do that. I did that for two weeks straight. And like you said, it was difficult because of the, uh, you know, the style that we play pressing fast pace. So, you know, it, it took, I didn't get a hundred percent until we were doing uh, summer workouts where I could finally rest off of it and stuff. But we ended up winning the NIT championship that year. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then you're following, you're, you're seeing, you're, you're dealing with turf toe and hip injuries and, and things like that. Dude, I, do you think a lot of that had to do with the style of play? Like, do you think the reoccurring injuries like that, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, it was just, it's just a part of the game, honestly. You can't attribute it to, uh, to one style of play or another. Uh, you know, it just, it just happened. It just happened like and was the turf toe the same foot that you sprained your ankle on to? Actually, don't remember. I think I, I think I caught, I got turf toe twice uh, on uh, my right and left foot. So I, I don't think it was the. Uh, I'm trying to think the first time. Well, that's too long ago. I can't even. I can't even remember. <laughs> it's too long ago. I just know I had to adapt. So. Well, going going through all that, you, you touched a little bit on it. You wanted to play coming out of high school, the Big Ten basketball, playing against the Michigan, Michigan States, Ohio States. Um, you those games, I mean, you usually going off for twenty. Yeah. Those games you showed up for. Was that something you circled on your calendar? I mean, I mean, it's 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 a given um, just for everybody when you when you see Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, it's just automatically like you grow up looking at these these programs just kill and always make it to the Final Four. They're always on television. You always see it. You always see them, and now you get to play them. It's just it was just a given. Oh yeah, it was fun watching you play all those games, man. It. it it was weird watching, like, when I was doing all the research on you and seeing all the highlights and stuff again, bringing back all those old memories. It was very fun to watch. Uh, your career was incredible. You ended up having, I mean, your fifth all-time on the career list. I actually believe, which I'm not 100% sure, so somebody might write in the comments that I messed this up, <laughs> but um, that you're the longest player to wear the moon and gold. You played the most games in men's basketball. Nah, I think it's Austin. <laughs> it's Austin? <laughs> yeah. I'd see it, then I might be off. Yeah, it's his brother. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's actually it's Austin. Um, shoot, it, it might have been I might have edged edged it out because uh, if we would have played postseason my senior year, I okay. think I would have I would have edged them out there. But I think it, I think the longest tenure player is uh, 
Austin. Okay. So yeah, that one I couldn't I couldn't confirm whether or not that yeah. was not it. I was reading. I'm like, damn, I think he I think he did hit the number. <laughs> but um, I wanted to get into some of the mental side from college as well. Um, I know we touched a little bit on it, but you were always very hardworking on both ends of the floor, and you adjusted to to separate coaches. You know, from Tubby to Patino. Um, and unfortunately, the media labeled you guys as underachieving a lot throughout all of this. But you continue to be a model um, student, an athlete on top of that. Mm-hmm. How do you do that with, with all that going on, with, with all these different avenues hitting you guys with this, you know, BS for a young kid to deal with now that you're 27, looking back on it? I mean, um, it's, it's, it's difficult, honestly. It's difficult uh, because you're told that, okay, the school is important. But you're missing school, like that NIT run that we made my freshman year, we missed like two weeks of classes. Like, cause we were on the road. We played uh, LaSalle in Philadelphia. Then we played Middle Tennessee State, uh, actually is where I played past four years for the state tournament for Tennessee. Then we went to, went to Miami and played in Miami. And then we went to New York for those final two games. So we were literally gone for two weeks. So. It was, I would say that they would, um, that they helped us really. They, they helped us with as far as giving us tutors and the resources we need in the academic center. They make it easy for, for that sense, but everything that, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought because I'm, I'm trying to go back and, uh, <laughs> you're good, you're good. Trying to remember everything like, I just say, I mean, it was difficult, but they definitely give us the, the resources to make it uh, make it less difficult. Do they do things on the mental yeah. side as well? Mentally, I mean, really, is compartmentalizing everything. Uh, it's a lot that goes into it as far as getting your rest, eating right. Uh, I think it's it's the how you optimize your time outside of practice and school. I think that's the biggest mental part that I think student athletes need to really focus on. It's like, what are you, what are you doing to help your mental? Like, are you, are you taking the time for yourself? I think that's the biggest thing because then when all this ends, it's like, okay, what do you do now? Cause you only thing you're doing is program to, okay, I got class. I got, I have all this scheduled out for me. So I think it's uh, student athletes should definitely focus on, themselves outside of what they're always consumed in doing. Yeah, no kidding. I completely agree with that. Do you think they, they give you the resources for that to tell you guys that stuff? Or you feel like you're learning it on the fly? As you get older, you understand it more. But some, some I mean, it depends on like kind of your upbringing and who you're around, honestly. But I feel like the focus is athletics and it's what, what you're consuming them. Like, you as a person yourself, I feel like it could be more. Like the they have they have uh, people there that you could talk to, but you have to go talk to them. And how do you, how would you know if you need to talk to them if you're just consumed in these different things? Right. And you don't really have time for yourself. So I think yeah, and I say and especially like because when, when you're a freshman, you step on campus and it's now whether whatever sport you're playing, football, basketball, you're like, oh, this is like the next level. This is what I've always wanted to do. So you're you don't even realize that 
you know, my whole day from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. is scheduled for me. You're just, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. I'm having fun playing the sport that I like. And then once that fatigue starts to set in, then it hits you like, oh, wow, I've completely, like, don't have any time for myself. And that's when it really starts to affect your mental more. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely hit it on the head with that. Like, all your 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 time is scheduled pretty much. And the time that you do have to yourself, it's pretty much making sure you're on top of school. If you if you mm-hmm. want to achieve, <laughs> do yeah. well in, for the most part. Uh, try to apply yourself. So it's really, I think, it, a big thing that I think the college athletes focus on is themselves and seeing, like, All right, what am I doing for myself? to invest in myself uh, outside of the main things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, and then that, as well, that helps with the transition after basketball where, oh, where you go from identifying as a basketball player, when that's over, you essentially have to reinvent yourself and kind of find out who you are again, and that makes that transition a lot smoother as well. Yeah, for sure. Because I definitely had a hard time when after after I graduated and I went overseas, it's like, okay, now now I just have basketball. Now what do I? What am I gonna do outside? It's like okay, I had I had normally, you know, five or six hours a day dedicated to basketball, and then it probably kind of goes back just a little bit less maybe in the pros. But then it's like, all right, the the rest of the time now I have the rest of the day. What do I do? What do I do now? (laughs) Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. productive though. Yeah, you get tired of Netflix then what? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I know you'll be playing that's the a, ping pong. I know that's your side gig. Yes, I'm nice. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm very nice at ping pong. I like to I would admit that I'll toot my own own horn on that. I'm very nice. A lot of people can attest to it. You know, Rachel, Rachel Vanham, Kendall Shell, they know. You, so you taking people's money on the ping pong table? Oh, I haven't gone that far yet. I think I'll I'll uh I'll kind of soil some relationships if I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question for you about the NIT tournament. Obviously, looking back on it, it's it's a great accomplishment and something that you'll cherish for the rest of your life. But like when you're in the moment, is it kind of like a yeah, we're happy we won the NIT, but it's nobody dreams of winning the NIT. They want to win the big dances there. Like, is it hard to kind of grasp with that mental of we're happy we won but the general public is like oh it's just an nit like you're happy for that um uh, i was i mean i was very happy uh that we won i mean winning a national championship in college no matter what it is i mean when if you see a lot of these teams that don't get into the tournament they could easily be in the tournament and i mean it's a yeah. lot of solid teams you know, a lot of the tournament stuff is kind of political as well but uh just being able to continue to play and, you know, represent yourself and your school and play for each other and finish out the season the right way. Nobody wants to finish the season on a, on a loss, which mostly everyone does mm-hmm. <laughs> in their right. on a loss. So, I mean, to be able to end your season out on a win is absolutely great. And, yeah. and I mean, and it shows, and that's just a, a testament to ourselves it shows us like okay we went and run we won the nit so we should have been in the tournament mm-hmm. right. so and, what, and what's what are some of the politics like you were saying that kind of go into getting into the tournament is it just you know favoring bigger schools that have larger fan bases for yeah. money and I, ratings or is there I'm more great. i mean it's ncaa is about money i mean who's what what school is gonna bring in the, the who has the most fans base what's their alumni i feel like that has a lot to do with it as well but 
I'm not an expert. I just you know, <laughs> speculation. Speculation. All right. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, I mean, they're getting over that that first hump for where in the NIT where those first two games are at home or you're playing them away and it might not be the atmosphere that you were looking for. I mean, getting over that, that's the hardest part. But after after that, you know, being able to play in New York, played in New York, I don't know, I think five or six times. Yeah, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, How Madison nuts Square is Garden, the garden, bro? It's awesome, awesome. It's awesome playing in there. Um, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just something I would never forget. So I, yeah. I could care less what anybody else thinks about, oh, it's just NIT. Oh, well, I am a yeah. champion. <laughs> I was like, how many, how many people can raise their hand and say they won a national championship in college? There's only two right. hands in these four videos <laughs> that can do it. <laughs> was uh was that your first time playing in Madison Square Garden? Was it during the NIT? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's that like walking into essentially the basketball's biggest stage? I mean, I mean, it's just kind of. You know, you try to take it all in. You're like, wow. You said you think about how many players played in here. How many players drop 60, 50 in here. It's just, it's just awesome. It's re really awesome. You know, since we're talking about that, do you have any specific favorite memories of the NIT and the NCAA runs? That's actually something Trev wanted me to ask you about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do have <laughs> – sorry. Uh, uh, the best – the memory I have that we had – the best was in, like, going to South Beach in Miami, just walking along there uh, and being able – actually drove a – I forgot what I what, – it was, like, a Lamborghini or something. It was – Mo's uncle had – he lived in Miami, and we went over there, and he allowed us to drive it. And, I mean, just that whole trip, like, when I, uh, when I explained earlier, we were on the road for, like, two weeks straight. So, I mean, just that trip and just hanging out with the guys and – we were having fun. We were rolling. I mean, that that part of the first NIT run was great. Then the uh, March Madness, um, we made it to the ACA tournament. I mean, just I remember the buzz behind just the, the city. I mean, it was just different. It was on a complete different level, like the atmosphere and everything. I mean, that was just that was awesome. Then the, the next NIT run uh, where we won it, I mean, that was just – we just grinded that one out. We grinded it out. It was fun playing against Florida State and SMU. Like, those were two fun games, like, tough, tough opponents to play against. Dude, I can't even imagine. I wish, I wish, I wish it was easier for fans to get out to experience those kinds of things instead of just watching on TV. Because in those moments, that's what you want to be doing is be there. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. But it, it was awesome watching you do all that. Um, when all that wrapped up, though, towards the end of your career with the Gophers, you're prepping for the draft. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I want to shout out Hoops in Christ because I know you were training with uh, Shauncee and then Kendall. I, was Kendall with that at the time? No. Or no. Just Shauncee? Okay. And then before that, you were actually down in Vegas mm -hmm. training as well with – was it Mo or who, who yeah. were you down there with? Yeah, yeah, Mo. Oh, yeah. Mo. And you guys actually met Dave Chappelle during all this. Oh, we saw Dave Chappelle. Saw Dave Chappelle. <laughs> we, we saw Dave Chappelle, uh, Anthony Anderson. I think we were just we were just walking around on the strip uh, one night, and I think it was it was something going on where it was a lot of celebrities. Saw Young Jeezy, uh, the Snowman. 
Yeah, yeah, it's on him. I think Beyonce and Jay Z were there, and it was something going on, so everybody showed up. But we just saw them passing. Bro, of all the names they list off, Anthony Anderson, which yes, great actor, fine. <laughs> that, but and, and and I forget the other name, but I, Dave Chappelle, I know they're not gonna bring up Beyonce and Jay Z. We did. We did see them. We oh, just okay. heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just, we just heard that they were that they were maybe maybe throwing a party or something. We just heard that. Well, oh, I was I was about to be mad at the writer. See. Like, how are you not gonna oh, name no, no, no. <laughs> no, We didn't see. We didn't see. <laughs> so you're training for all that. What what's going through? What, what can you walk us through? What what's needed of you during this time? And and uh, ac- actually, also the mental side, because you don't really know what's going on. Everything's thrown up in the air. Yeah, um, well, I didn't, I didn't have a, a spectacular senior season, um, you know, so then there, and then with Patino moving me to probably just playing the two and not playing a, the one, it put question marks on my name, like, can he run, can he run the one? And, uh, you know, just trying to get over that hump and I signed an agent, um, and, he pretty much got all that set up with going down to Vegas with Impact Sports, you know, just training down there uh, with other guys that are potential, potentially make it to the draft, uh, you know, just doing that training. And uh, as far as the mental aspect, it's just like the unknown. It's, <clears throat> it, it's, it sucks, but it's just a part of the, uh, it's a part of the profession, uh, pretty much not knowing where you're going to go gonna get drafted I pretty much had a, a pretty good idea that I wasn't gonna get drafted because of how I played in the, in that season um, kind of figuring out things you know trying to see what would be the best fit overseas so it's, it's a lot that goes into it you got to think about and make sure you're ready uh, for whenever, whenever the time comes because I had five uh, NBA workouts when I after I graduated so you know just, just you know, pretty much trying to stay mentally and physically ready for whatever comes up. Did it help having Rachel there as a rock and your family there, you know, yeah. during that yeah. whole process? Yeah. I know she was still in school for another year or two, I think, at the time. Yeah, because she was coming off her ACL injury. So, yeah, just having them there to kind of sit through and talk about talk about things and, you know, kind of mull over everything was, was a big help. And then to get into those workouts, you had workouts with the hometown Grizzlies, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Timberwolves. What, what's a workout like in the NBA? You know? uh, it's really, if I want to categorize it, it's, uh, it depends on which, which organization you work out with. Because some organizations, uh, they're all about, e- mostly about efficiency. Like you got a lot of shots up uh, and you kept, track of it um and like some of them are about how well conditioned you are like i i heard stories about the boston celtics one where it's like it's a drill I, and i think minnesota actually when i when i worked out in minnesota we did it uh it's a conditioning drill that kind of just kind of gauges to see who who's at an elite level um but what's you know, that drill what's that drill like is it just sprints is it it's, a bunch of it's some type of uh I can't remember, but it's like it's continuous sprinting in a in a certain amount of time, and you have to get a certain number, yeah, a certain number in a certain amount of time. But it's like it, it's more to it. Well, I'm just simplifying it. Mm. 
it's it's a little bit more difficult because I can't remember specifically. But yeah, it's just really it depends. It's hard for me to just categorize it in one, but it's it's a lot. I want to say it's a lot about efficiency and measurements. So they can, I guess the 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 coaches and the GMs can make a sound decision. If who like they measure your hands, they measure your bird. It's a lot of measurements going on. So is is it like the combine where you kind of know ahead of time going um, like, oh, these are the drills I'm doing, or do you just show up and they go, surprise, you're doing these drills? <laughs> so I think most of the like the measurements and stuff, like the team has their like kind of combine, something that you would do in a combine, but other than that, you don't know what what drills you're gonna do. Yeah. Does that give you any like kind of pause of oh shoot, I don't know what to kind of be preparing for or did you just go in it like hey i've done everything that i can do at this point we're just gonna go be myself yeah you just have to you just have to be confident and be ready uh to be efficient make sure your shot's right make sure you're in condition and i mean there's a reason that you're there they wouldn't have you there for no reason so i mean pretty much don't try to reinvent and do something that they don't already know that you uh, can do like they want you right. they brought you there for a reason so Going going back, rewinding, uh, I actually found this in my notes. It was something I wanted to ask back in that um that that year, your sophomore year. You got invited to a bunch of camps. Mm, yeah. What were some of those camps? Was it the Adidas and Nike camps? What were they? It was it was the Adidas Nations camp uh, in California. It was I was actually invited to the Kyrie Irving Skills Academy and. Wow. I was invited for the USA tryouts. Um, and I, ha- I had to, I think it was one more. It was one more that I had to, I had to deny. It might have been, it wasn't LeBron. I don't think it was LeBron. No, because LeBron was for like small forwards. And I think, but yeah, but I got invited to those. I wasn't able to go to the Kyrie Irving one, but I went to the Adidas Nations and I tried out for the USA team. Why, um, why couldn't you go to the Kyrie one? I think the uh, I think one of one of them overlapped with the other. Okay. I I can't I can't remember specifically, but yeah, one of them. It was one that I wouldn't be able to do. Do you have any favorite moments in those camps for the the Team USA and the Adidas? Uh, favorite moments. No, I do have one. It's a funny one actually. Uh, Joel Embiid was at the Adidas Nations. And I don't know what he was doing. I think we were doing like the uh, measuring our bird and we were doing all the agility tests and stuff to kind of, you know, they were introducing us to stuff that the, the league does. And he went up there and I don't know, he was playing, I don't know anything. He went, he jumped up and like broke the, uh, <laughs> the, the little <laughs> dividers to show each one. He broke like all of them. <laughs> Everyone's like, well, "What are you doing?" He just laughed it off. So he's just like, now that I see him and what he does on TV and what type of personality he is, it was like it makes sense. It all makes sense. It's it's funny with me with Joel because it's uh, I always look at him. Him and Trev look exactly alike. It's like his yeah. bigger younger brother. It, yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's <laughs> bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, let's let's get into your pro career then. I know Q wanted to lead off some questions there, because you you played. I mean, right now I know you're taking a break. You had an Achilles injury, mm-hmm. but you've played a long time already, man. You're, you're a vet. 
Yeah. Yeah. Q, why don't you lead it off with that one? Yeah, my first question was, uh, I was going to ask, what was the experience from going from playing, you know, competitively in the Big Ten to then playing in the Euro Millions Basketball League in, in Belgium? Like, what was the, the style of play? Was there any differences? A little more physical? Give me a little bit of that. Um, adjusting to it, uh, there are just – in in Europe, there's some rules, like, there's a rule where you can't, like, open step. Like, when you catch and rip, you can't step and dribble. You have to dribble first. So it was, like, getting used to those. And, like, in some in some instances where if the ball's on the rim and it's, like, like rimming out, somebody can go smack it out and then not be a, a goaltender. What? What is this, beer pong? Fun like that. So people could do things. Um, as far as style of play, it was actually – Belgium was kind of resembling to a – Big Ten, like it was more half-court half style. It wasn't a lot of up and down uh, running. Um, but as far as just overall competition, the Big Ten is unmatched. Uh, you know, and also the team I was with uh, was a lower-tier team in Belgium. And, you know, it's just kind of really adjusting to not having the best facilities and, you know, flying charter everywhere. Um, it's just really, you know, focus and you have to focus on yourself and, you know, get, it's, a, it's a profession. It's your job now. Like, you have to produce to get paid. So it's really shifting your mindset to do that. Do you miss it? Do you want to go back? Um, I miss, you know, what I really miss about it. Um, I miss the traveling experience. I love traveling. I've been, I mean, it's ridiculous. I've been all around the world. Uh, but some parts that I I don't miss is kind of it's, it's the biz some of the business side uh, sides of it I really don't care for. It's it's kind of unnecessary and it doesn't make the job easier. It just makes it more difficult. There's a lot of a lot of people in some organizations that they don't understand basketball. They just want wins and don't understand what it takes to win. So. It's just, you know, it's really just adapting. It's all about adapting. I've, I've realized that, uh, especially overseas, your best friend is your internet. <laughs> yeah. Without that, you're really out there. Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere I go, I was like, hey, do you have Wi-Fi? Because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the first question. Anywhere, any restaurant, any, any place we go, I ask for the Wi-Fi. So. Where's your favorite place you've traveled that basketball has brought you to? I mean, you to think as a kid that this little ball was going to take me around the world. That's just a, a crazy thought to have. Yeah. It's, man, I, I mean, I, it's too hard to pick one. I mean, I've been to Rome. I've been to Paris multiple times. I've been to um, Brussels. I was, I, was, I was 20 minutes from Brussels. Uh, I've been to Berlin. I've been to, jeez. Where else? Elgin, France. Been, yeah, Berlin and Germany. Been to Budapest plenty of times. Um, been all over, man. It's, it's too hard to just pinpoint one where I say it's the best. Any of them better than U.S. of A? Better. I mean, the capitals over there is almost just like the U.S. I promise. All the capitals, yeah. They're, I mean, everyone speaks English. 
there's food that is recognizable. Uh, I mean, honestly, I feel like yeah, all the capitals over there are just like the same. How, how much when you're overseas do you would you jump into kind of like the cultural experience? Did you try any like exotic foods or you or anything? Oh like yeah, that? I, you kind of most excuse yourself. For me, I was very different because I I want I asked them like, what do you do? Like, what's different? I try to submerge myself in the culture. You uh, eating bad over there, Dre? No, you were doing the crazy stuff, were you? No, no, no. I've I've eaten snail though when I was in France. Snail? Yeah, escargot. I I, I ate snail before. Um, what else? In Hungary, they have this thing where they put like uh, lard <laughs> on bread. So and it's actually pretty good. <laughs> Crystal, <laughs> basically. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, nothing, nothing too crazy. But yeah, like. I started learning French a little bit. I still know some. I can have a mini conversation with people in French. So, you know, I try to get the words. Actually, the first thing I do with my teammates is I ask them what are the curse words. So then I know, I know if you're you're saying something bad to me. Right. <laughs> I know I know it in the game. So so yeah, that's what I try. That's what I try to learn. Uh, but you know, it's it's cool over there, man. Very dope. You guys got any last second questions? Before we wrap it all up. We covered it all. I got it. Oh, go ahead. If you were to compare your your style of play to any NBA player, who would it be? Probably CJ McCollum. Ooh. Crafty. Yeah, I would say, yeah. As far as mid-range and the shot and everything he does, I say CJ. Yeah, CJ is nice. Yeah. Favorite NBA player now and of all time. LeBron James and it's it's tough, man. I can't I can't answer that without doing one of them injustice, doing a lot of people injustice. So I just give I say Magic Johnson, uh, LeBron, Mike, Kobe, and Shaq. It's a tough list. Yeah. You've been you've been watching the Jordan documentary. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. What, what what would you do if you were in practice and when you like Michael Jordan punched somebody in the face? You, you gonna <laughs> you gonna put him in his place? If he punched me, oh we swinging, we going at it. <laughs> I don't care who you are, we're we're going at it. But if it's somebody else, I try to break it up. Be like, hey man, <laughs> hey please, this might not be what you want. There might be not, not be your best interest <laughs> to mess with Mike. All right. Dude, yeah, they, like some of the stuff they talked about him doing, like the the gambling, going down to Atlantic City the night before a game and gambling all night coming back, like that's ridiculous. It all just shows how much how much better he was than everybody else. Where you can go and do all that and still drop forty? Come on, yeah. When you talk about the mental part, that's just his escape. It's for him. Yeah. Like, I don't even feel like sad. And people don't understand that athletes like this is all that we do. We want it escape from this sometimes and you know obviously i can't imagine i can't even imagine what type of pressure it is to be a, a nba player and nonetheless michael jordan like, right the crowds about, that are following you around all the time like, all the time you don't have time for yourself like you can't just he can't just walk out in the street and go for a walk <laughs> like no. think about that he doesn't have the same liberties as we do honestly without being bothered Right. His favorite thing was being in that hotel room yeah. by himself. He was sad when the, the crew came in to film. He's like, damn, <laughs> I finally had a moment alone. Yeah, exactly. 
You've been, you've been following the, the Dennis Rodman part? See, Dennis is what kind of threw me off. Jordan, I thought, was all normal. I wasn't worried about the Atlantic stuff, but Vegas. Dude, Dennis, there's something wrong with him. He, <laughs> yeah, he's different. Like, he was walking around on the strip drinking Miller Lite, then just gets on his motorcycle and rides out. Get on the motorcycle. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, whoa, they let him do that? <laughs> I'm like, I was like, like who? I was like, who? Somebody in his in his camp didn't tell him, like, hey, maybe let's not go outside right. and hear out cheers, everybody. And get on the <laughs> and he like, just go to your coach and say, in the middle of the season, I need a vacation. And then just a dip for like yeah. four days. <laughs> and now Michael got to come get you? No, sir. And pull you out, out of a room today. full of chicks, naked chicks? Just like, that's some normal Carmen stuff. Electra hiding behind the couch? Yeah. yeah that's, that's wild. Dude, what you say? I thought they. I said, did anybody believe that he was coming back in 48 hours? <laughs> no, no. And I thought they glossed over the fact, like when he left the Pistons, when he was had the gun sitting outside the uh, stadium, they, they got, had to like yeah. get him. Like I was like, yo, like because he even said he was like, yeah, I'm glad that I passed out because I don't even know what I would have done. So it's like, why did you go there? Were you going <laughs> to kill yourself? Were you going to kill somebody? Like what the was going on? I think he's got some serious mental things going on and, and I think actually this is a weird roundabout way but I think Madonna actually helped him at least get past that whatever sadness he was feeling in a way yeah. to express himself how he feels yeah. he needs to be expressing yeah. himself yeah. but it was the, the craziest part too is the Scottie Pippen stuff like the, the way they depict that making everybody feel bad about his contract bro I don't feel bad you signed that you signed it the deal's <laughs> Dude, a deal. I mean I've I, I feel bad for him because it's like, dude, you're a top 50 player of all time and you're not getting paid like it. And like, yeah, even at the he, time, they like got Mike, Jordan too. They did that. To yeah, Jordan but MJ, MJ left and he still led that team and was dominant. So like he should have been getting paid more than he was. But I'm just saying the way they depict that story, they have him showing like, Oh, MJ didn't go through the same thing. Like he was getting underpaid too. Then finally got paid. Yeah. Once it yeah, was going to be done, Scotty was going to get his, his check. You're just another white man trying to not pay the black man, Kyle. That's what this boils down to. <laughs> That's sad. That's sad, Tevin. People are going to take that out of context, and I'm going to be hated by everybody. That's messed up. <laughs> Anyways, Dre, I appreciate you coming on. I'm really yeah, sad that Tevin had to end it on a bad note like that. <laughs> and, and make sure you hit up Kendall, too, because I'm really sad, man. I hit him up. I had Trevor hitting him up. I wanted to get some some cool behind the scenes stories that would have made you laugh that nobody would have known about. So maybe no, I can get you uh, to do that uh, for me Trevor. about Kendall. So then when Trevor, I get him on the show. Trevor did, he did, you know, when I laughed earlier, but he asked me what memory was the, was the best from the NIT run. So what story was he trying to get you to tell? I was just in Miami. It was just, uh, it was just a funny moment. You guys, of, you guys like hit the club. Do we, um, do we need to press end on this so then we can tell it when it's not recorded? Is that what you're telling me? Nah, <laughs> I, you, you have to ha ask Trev to tell you that one. Okay. I'm going to get both of you guys on the show. We're going to dive deeper into this Miami because <laughs> there's something there. Dre, we appreciate you coming on, and thank you for your time, and we'd love to have you back whenever you want to come back. And if you know anybody that should be on our show next, let mm -hmm. me know. Get me in contact with them because we want them on the show. We want good stories. For sure. For sure, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dre. Yeah, we appreciate you.